Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and on this episode, the Reverend Dr. Kevin Adams returns to discuss Psalm 56. We talk once again, as we do often in the Psalms, about enemies. We talk about how this Psalm, and in fact, most of the Psalms, can be considered as kind of Psalms of pilgrimage. And then we also reflect on the beautiful language of this psalm, both its reminder of God's care for us and the invitation to put our trust in God. I really enjoyed this conversation, of course, and I'm so glad that Kevin joined me. To get us started, here's Kevin reading Psalm 56. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. Record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere humans do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Kevin, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Matt, it is always a treat to be with you. (laughs) Well, it's a treat for me. I was thinking, I feel a little out of practice. Listeners don't know this, but our last episode, this kind of conversation with a bunch of Libby students at Jessup was recorded a couple months ago and just happened to be released last week. So I feel like I haven't sat down to do a Psalms recording in quite a while. In a long time. So, but you know, if there's anyone to get back in the saddle with, <laughs> well, it's you. Here we are and we get the treat of being in the same room. We get to look at each That's other, right, not yeah. just look at a recording device. Yes, it's even so better, is, isn't it? a good thing. Yeah. Well, let's dive right into the Psalm, shall we? Yes, sir. With our opening question, I'm curious to hear what stands out to you in reading the Psalm. Well, yeah, this is not rocket science, but the thing that stands out most is this guy's in trouble. (laughs) I mean, the person who wrote this psalm, and it's attributed to David, has enemies lurking all over the place. We Mm -hmm. talked about that, I think, already in Psalm 3. And in the book I wrote, 150, just simply called, there's a chapter on enemies, which I didn't expect to write going into the book. But you read the psalms, and they're everywhere. Yeah, right. And this is one clear place where there are enemies. And the verbs, it's not just that he has enemies. He's got enthusiastic enemies. He's got enemies who are pretty excited about torturing him, and they're doing it in a variety of ways. So they pursue him. They take pride in attacking him. He's afraid. He's in trouble. They have, they're in hot pursuit all day. They press their attack. They pursue. They twist It's his words. It's really vivid, alive language. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody wants poetry written that's in such dire straits, but yeah. That would be a good title for this, In Dire Straits, wouldn't it? Yeah, really. Yeah. So that's one of the things that strikes me. The other thing that strikes me is, well, this is maybe getting to the second question too early, but God really is the only hope. Mm. It's like, I'm in so much trouble. I'm so desperate. I'm running. 
and I don't have any backup plan, but God's my sort of A plan, B plan, and C plan. And we can talk <laughs> about that a little bit more, but those are a couple couple things. How about you? Oh, yeah, that's so good. I, You know, I was looking at this. One of the things that struck me was just the repetition oh, in sure. the psalm, and it feels like there's a lot of it. So when you're talking about the creative description of the enemies, he uses so many verbs, but then one thing that he uses over and over again is that phrase, all day long. Right. So in verse one, all day long, they press their attack. Verse two, my adversaries pursue me all day long. Verse, then skipping down to verse five, all day long, they twist my words. Right. There's such a constancy and the repetition draws that out. But you also have the repeated kind of refrain almost that verse four, in God whose word I praise and God I trust and not right. afraid, gets picked up again in verses 10 and 11. There's just kind of these repeated motifs almost of language. I find that when there's repetition in the Psalms, it gives it almost like a heartbeat or like a a rhythm. There's something there's something propulsive about repetition. Right. That drives us on as we read and as we pray. And so the repetition kind of in this one particularly felt like it was drawing you kind of forward and which I think ties in with some of what you're naming the desperation right. <laughs> that the psalmist feels. Right. He probably literally doesn't have that much time to describe the situation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This feels like it was it was uh, scratched out on the back of a right, right. kind of a scrap of paper, a newspaper tossed aside maybe in, yeah. a, in a moment. He had a minute or something. Maybe it was, but, but your repetition is so poetic. Maybe that came to him immediately. Maybe that took a little revision. Sure. Lord knows. Yeah, right? yeah, right. Yeah, but like even uh, verse six, they conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. There's so much, there's so much densely packed in there in terms of what the enemies are doing. Yeah, yeah. I wonder whether in the moment it's, oh, okay, conspire, Quick, you know, conspire, riding on the parchment, lurking, <laughs> conspire, lurking, lurking. Yeah, right. <laughs> or yeah, like you said, there's certainly a sense by the end of the psalm, right? This is someone who's had some time and is looking back by the time the, the thank offerings are being given, but. But in the beginning, it's it's hot pursuit, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah. an action movie for sure. I mean, you think, what would this look like in movie version? Yeah, and it would it would be a high drama for sure. Yeah. So maybe you've already started taking us to our next question, but let's right. let's go there. What do we learn about God from this psalm? Well, not to timestamp this episode too much, but here we are, the week of Christmas. Yeah, right. And uh, we long we wait for a long-awaited Savior, and mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty clear in this passage. And again, I'll confess to my situational chronological bias the week of christmas but we need a savior yeah we need someone to rescue us someone to help us and uh, that's what he's waiting for we also learn that god there's a there's another psalm where it talks about god saving all our tears in a bottle Mm. and uh, there's a sense in which god knows all our tears so there's something beautifully in this action film there would be a zeroing in on the main character with this kind of sense that god has every single tear counted which is quite remarkable yeah so if anybody thinks i'm suffering or i'm broken or i'm wounded or i'm in trouble god knows and that's no small thing right so that's that's a place where i'd start anyway yeah no that really resonates with me that was the same i think it's actually this it's other translations of this psalm take the niv has list my tears on your scroll but there's other readings of that that end up being closer to uh, put my tears in your bottle or list my or put my tears in your wineskin yeah. So who knows the mystery of why of translation? Well, it's not a mystery of translation, but it's beyond me anyway. But I, that really struck me too. Just the fact that there's a God, the God of this Psalm, as David writes, 
he has such a covenantal assumption that God right. cares about his sorrows. Right. Which I just thought when we think about all the different kind of deities of various world religions and even of that context, that is not a universal. It's very rare. Isn't it? <laughs> In fact, not, yeah. you might even say there's only one. Right. It's unique. And so, so I think even reading that, I was thinking, oh, like this is a unique God and this is a unique relationship. This is not a God who's far off, which also had me thinking about Christmas too. I think it's okay to timestamp this one, right? Where it you have a God be Christmas, right? who not only counts our sorrows, but then knows our sorrows right. uh, in such an intimate way as he becomes, becomes human in the incarnation through Jesus. So just like, it's fascinating to me that, yeah, this sort of covenantal assumption of the Psalms, that there is this such a rich relational uh, dynamic that God invites his people into that a psalmist can just assume, you know, this is something you'll do. That you'll, you know. I know you're looking out for me. I know you'll come, you'll in the long run come through. Right. Yeah, it's so well said, Matt. And I know we both like Derek Kidner. And I think he points out in some place that this is one of the few psalms in the second book of the five books that are in the psalms that make up the psalms that uses the word Lord. So it's that yeah. covenantal language, calling God by the covenant name. So in the midst of all his sorrow, as he gets a minute and he reflects and he gets a lifetime and reflects, he's leaning into God as covenant God, not as some abstract deity someplace. Yeah, that was really interesting. Actually, even if we just to kind of zero in on that a little bit more, it is right after these verses. Right. Right. That he he goes back to that refrain from verse four. So in God, whose word I praise. And then it is almost like it's this synonymous parallelism right. but there's this moment of it's like in the lord in yahweh whose word like to use that covenantal language is almost like there's a deepening right of the refrain right. that shifts in this in this kind of beautiful or it gets added to so even the timing of that placement seems significant so strategic right yeah and that's such a beautiful thing i know you've mentioned this before in the podcast but that hebrew parallelism where they'll say something and then they'll say it again and with a twist in the same way for accent or in right. a different way for yeah. a new twist. So are you paying attention? Because I'm going to say it with one <laughs> word different. Yeah. And uh, it's a beautiful way to kind of accent. So poetic. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, shall we turn to our third and final question here? I think that's a good idea. All right. How does this psalm help us to pray? Well, yeah, I think we've covered some of this territory before, but the psalm teaches us we can pray when we have enemies. Mm. And uh, people like you and me want to think we don't have enemies. How could anybody be against Matt Timms? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that just seems impossible to me. But over a lifetime, you may have at least one enemy or a moment of an enemy. And that's true for me. That's true for all of us, right? So I think it's a reminder. I mean, there's, a, there's an old song, right? That what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. When we don't feel like we have other friends or when we feel like some particular friends have turned on us. Yeah. We have a God who won't turn on us. And mm. that kind of relationship with our enemies, I think, is something significant. The second thing I'll mention, and I know you'll have some good insight too, is this feels like a, a psalm that's on pilgrimage. You know, it starts in a place and it ends in a different place. Mm. And so many psalms invite us. Well, I think the psalms as a whole invite us to pilgrimage, right? starts with Psalm 1, obviously which is yeah. uh, the two ways. And then Psalm 2, which is God can be trusted. He's our savior. And then Psalm 3, Psalms of our enemies. And then it's praying in the nighttime, praying in the daytime. Yeah. And then it's like all of this complicated, twisted uh, back and forth journey till we get to Psalm 150, which is a song of praise. So we start 
the Psalter in a place of security. We're going to end in a place of praise, sort of like we're going to end with Revelation. This, the heavenly city comes down. But in between, there's going to be a lot of unexpected twists. And mm-hmm. this psalm, both as a whole and its individual parts, I think, show that journey, right? It starts mm-hmm. in this place where it, enemies are in hot pursuit and it ends with, God, I'm going to trust you. And I think, yeah, you know, it's a good reminder for us because we may be at the beginning of that. All we can see is our enemies. We may be at the end of that. All we can see is God's trustworthiness. Yeah. Chances are we're at least <laughs> in some ways in the middle right. on some level about something where it's like, all right, Lord, I know you're going to come through for me, but you haven't shown me how yet. Right. I know you will because you're the covenant God, but you haven't shown me how yet. So I yeah. think the prayer is a prayer of trust that the God of all the different places will will in the in the mm. holiest sense be there for us right yeah what i love one, one reflection on what you were saying about naming this as kind of almost a pilgrimage psalm is the ways that tying that together with uh enemies reminds us that pilgrimage is something that happens to us as well as something that we do right like i was thinking oh like often when i think of pilgrimage i think of it as something you go and do i'm going to jerusalem on purpose right with hotels and so, paid for. yeah yeah and you have a kind of control <laughs> right you're like i know the bus driver these are the places i'm going <laughs> yeah, and I this is the, the date i'll be there exactly. you know as you go here's the but schedule I, I know you have this from experience but the realities of pilgrimage is even for as much as you might have planned out there's the day-to-day events that are unexpected the lostness yeah right yeah exactly right. and so for this psalm i think there's so much here right that's happening to the psalmist that is completely out of their control and right that that's the des- the desperation that we hear but that's part of the journey as well which i don't really like that that's part of the journey but it, it's a valuable reminder when we're is. in those places it's one of those things the psalms provide, which assumes the psalms need to provide them. Uh, yeah. You just assume have them and uh, provide that in theory rather than need that in reality, but it's a good thing to have yeah, right. close at hand right? Yeah. and inside. I love that re- I love that reflection. We could probably talk, could, do you think we could talk about each psalm as a pilgrimage psalm in some way? I think way? that's right. You know, so, the psalms of ascent are known as right. pilgrimage psalms, right? And then there's psalms like Psalm 90, which talks about the pilgrimage of our years, mm. our agingness. Mm. But I think every psalm is is its own journey in some ways. Yeah. Some uh, like 150 really feels like a destination, doesn't it? Praise yeah. the Lord, praise him with trumpets, with cymbals, with drums. Right. You know, that kind of thing. But on the whole, there's a lot of journey language, isn't there? Yeah. It'd be interesting how much we've used the word journey in all these podcast conversations <laughs> to date. I'm sure it's come up a lot. If we, tra- we get um, a transcription and see Yeah, happens, right. Because right? there is such trajectory. The Psalms so often, I mean, this goes back maybe even to what I was saying about repetition. They both poetically, but then thematically so often are giving us trajectories. Like there's thrust to them. Uh, yeah. They're not stagnant on the page, in other words. Makes me think of, uh, <laughs> this is a weird analogy, but in Mario Kart, there's like the boosters that you oh, yeah. like drive over. I've that played then it kind enough of to know about the push boosters. You, forward, you know yeah, that right. much. Anyway. Supercharge. Yeah, 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 right. And some like the psalm strike me as like almost like these little boosters, right? Nice. Our, I like our it. Life of pilgrimage. This is the first for me. I don't think I've ever heard a song compared to Mario Kart. So <laughs> well, I feel like we've crossed mind. the threshold. Yeah, for it's good a whole or new ill. world. <laughs> for good or ill, that was not written down on the page. So maybe we'll see whether it makes it to the listeners' ears. Speaking of unplanned journeys, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one other thing that I'll just add about how this psalm helps us to pray is, I mean, just this beautiful phrase, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Isn't that beautiful? And there's a real, and then per, 
proceeding from there, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust and not afraid. The the confidence of God's word, the word gets picked up again in verse five with the enemies who are twisting the psalmist words. So there's a sense in which sort of our own words can even be twisted by our enemies. There's a sense in which almost no other language is secure, but there's a there's a sureness in the words that God speaks. Yeah. And there's a confidence there. It's an anchor. It's sort of a bedrock uh, resting place, so to speak. And so, I, and then just the fact that he says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In other words, there it is regardless of how I feel. It's not like when I am at peace, I trust you. I trust you. Right. Or when uh, it looks like I'm just getting around the corner, right. then I'll trust you. Like you could imagine the psalmist even saying like, when I have a chance to breathe, I put my trust in you, right? right? Like when I can think my own thoughts because I'm not on the run, right. I put my trust in you. But just the reminder here that the invitation, and I think this is often an invitation to our prayer, that we we apprentice ourselves to faith and we apprentice ourselves to prayer as a way to help us in these moments when we are afraid, when we are overwhelmed, that then they give us language so that we can cultivate an attitude of trust even in, in the chaos of our journey, of our pilgrimage. Oh, I think that's so good, Matt. And what comes to mind too is sometimes we're not in the chaos, but we know people who are. Yeah, right. And I think that's one of the things of the beautiful prayers you write so often some inspired for Sundays is mm. they teach us to pray not only our own situation, but the situations of our friends and colleagues and Christians around the world and people who aren't Christians around the world, but need us to pray for them because they're in the middle yeah, right. of something. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on we certainly i'm glad we didn't end on the mario kart now. <laughs> That's we could have though we could have we could have <laughs> well let's conclude with an even better note with this refrain again from the psalm in god whose word i praise in the lord whose word i praise in god i trust and i'm not afraid what can mere humans do to me go out and pray the psalms <laughs> <laughs>